VI, prophet of the Tudor dynasty. There is something of the sheep about Henry VI. Caught in the spotlight of history, the last Lancastrian king has all the qualities of a placid creature that bumbles along until it manages to get stuck upside down in a ditch. Yet his is a haunting story, and one that ends with a twist. I am the historian Leander Delisle, uncovering the Tudors and Stuarts behind the myths. Henry VI was born in 1421, heir to the crown of France as well as England. His father, Henry V, the great victor of Agincourt, died the following year, and his mother, Catherine of Valois, died when he was still only 16. It was by then already clear he did not share his father's passion for war. He longed only for peace and quiet, and was notably pious. Mass was one of the few times the boy monarch was ever left alone with his thoughts, and they were now troubled. Henry discovered his mother had married secretly to a handsome Welsh commoner known as Owen Tudor. The Greeks had bequeathed a theory that women had cold wombs and so were driven by a frantic need to be filled with hot sperm. The only virtue really valued in a woman was chastity. Considerable disapproval was therefore directed at Catherine for giving in to her ferocious sexual appetite. Henry imprisoned his stepfather in punishment, but took responsibility for his four Tudor half-siblings and their sex lives. One of the most striking features of Henry's developing personality was his distaste for sexual licence, and possibly indeed for sex of any kind. The two younger Tudors were placed in religious orders, and Henry kept a close eye on the eldest, Jasper and Edmund, to ensure the licentious women were kept well away. Jasper would never marry, but it became politically necessary for Henry that Edmund was. Henry had no children after seven years of marriage to the French princess Margaret of Anjou. Aged 31, his government of his kingdom was equally flaccid and unproductive. He was judged easily led, woolly-minded and incompetent. Even his personal household was poorly run, and although he managed to found Eton College, he never finished it. This weakness and poor judgment raised the ambitions of Henry's Plantagenet relative, Richard, Duke of York, who had several sons to guarantee a secure succession. Edmund Tudor was therefore married into the House of Lancaster. The problem was his bride, the nine-year-old Margaret Beaufort, was of illegitimate royal descent, and so her Tudor heirs had no right to the throne. It was fortunate for Henry that in 1453 his queen at last became pregnant, a success that may have owed much to her determined character. But in July, his military failures in France culminated in the last battle of the Hundred Years' War, fought at Castillon on the Dordogne River. When Henry heard that his French empire was reduced to the Pale of Calais, he suffered a sudden frenzy. After this, he could neither move nor speak, his wit and reason withdrawn. When his son was born in October, he was incapable of acknowledging him. Henry's illness may have had a genetic component. His maternal grandfather, 
Charles VI had periods of insanity in which he scrubbed furiously at heraldic stained glass, claiming his coat of arms was an impaled lion rather than the fleur-de-lis. This was madder even than his claiming to be made of glass, at least it is, according to my husband, creator of europeanheraldry.org. Henry's illness could, however, simply have been a severe depression. Impending fatherhood in a man whose own father died when he was a baby may have been amongst the stresses and strains he was under. The Duke of York acted as protector during Henry's illness, gaining influence and a taste for power that he was reluctant to give up when Henry awoke from his stupor at Christmas 1454. What now unfolded was the violent period that later became known as the Wars of the Roses. York claimed that he was the rightful king, arguing that he was the senior descendant of Edward III in the female line. Henry never fought in a single of the great battles that followed, and it was his wife Margaret of Anjou who led the Lancastrian cause. He was described by a contemporary as a mere woolsack, lifted by its ears, a shadow on the wall, banded about as in a game of blind man's bluff. By the time of the last battle of Henry's reign at Tewkesbury in 1471, York was long dead. But there were now two kings in England, York's son Edward IV with Henry VI, his prisoner in the tower. Henry's son had been killed at Tewkesbury, aged 17, and so he was now the sole impediment to the country uniting under the Yorkist crown. He died on the night Edward IV returned to London from the battlefield. It was said Henry was killed by a fit of melancholy. Although few believed this, Edward IV had good reason to assume that his murdered rival would soon be forgotten. It would allow national healing. The English are very good at finding nobility in failure. They now recalled Henry not as a woolsack, but a holy lamb, an innocent who they began to pray to as a saint. His woes in life would, they hoped, make him sympathetic to their own struggles now that he was in heaven. The popularity of Henry VI's cult became greater in England than that of St Thomas Becket at Canterbury, the third most visited pilgrimage site in Europe. This proved useful to the dead king's nephew, Henry Tudor, who claimed that his uncle had prophesied that he would one day rule and that the Tudors would replace the houses of Lancaster and York. Because the prophecies came from a holy man, it was as if it was describing God's will. For in truth, the Tudors had no blood claim to the English throne. But the Vatican never very tactful in its relations with England, declined to make Henry VI an official saint, and his cult was forgotten after the Reformation in 1533. Henry VI has remained in the shadows ever since, with biographers choosing bigger and bloodier characters in Henry's Yorkist rivals and Tudor heirs. But they are all secondary players here. It is poor old Henry VI who did most to shape the extraordinary and dramatic events of his reign. If you want to know more, you may enjoy my book, Tudor, The Family Story. You can also contact me via my website, leanderdelisle.com, on Facebook and on Twitter.
Good. <laughs>